Just close your eyes a moment. And I want you to just say, Jesus, I love you. Come on, just say it. Jesus, I love you. I know you love me, but I want to say today that I love you. And I want my love for you to be as real as the love between a father and his children. I want our love to be as, as real as the kids towards mommy and the love between husband and wife. Let us experience, oh Lord. Let us not just know it in our head, but in our heart. I want you to just pray that right now. See, the Bible says if we draw near to God, God draws near to us. Doesn't it make sense as hundreds of people are worshiping Him that we would become more aware of His presence? The Bible says in His presence there's fullness of joy. Lord, we ask you to wash us today from the weariness of the world. Life is hard. I ask you to wash us today. Pressures are overwhelming. But just like you, you unscrew the cap and the air comes out of the tire, or the ball, would you just help us be released from these pressures that are so destructive? And let us cast our care on you because you care for us. I want you to pray this right now. Say, Lord, would you change in me anything that's not right? Help me, Lord, to change. I know I love some things that are harmful to me. And I ask you to take that desire away. Because today, Lord, I just affirm that I, I choose you and I want you. And I want to be near you not only on Sunday morning, but I want to be near you on Monday morning and Friday night and I want, I want somehow God to be real in my dreams I want to wake in the morning with praise on my lips I want to do what the Bible says love the Lord with all my heart all my mind and all my soul and all my strength and we pray this in Jesus name and everybody say it Amen. Amen. hey tell your neighbor you're really glad they're here this morning Well, how many want to grow strong spiritually in this new year? Wave your hand at me now. Want to grow strong? Sure, absolutely. Let me tell you the absolute best way. Going to church is great. It has its place. But take some time every day to be with God and read your Bible. We've got an easy way. There's a little app you can download on your phone, two chapters, or there's a card in the back of the chair. I have done this every day virtually. I miss every once in a while, but I start back the next. Let it be a habit that starts this week on this special spiritual week. Every day this week, take some time to read your Bible. And the second thing I'd encourage you to do this week as we are starting a, uh, a fresh spiritual leap into the new year is to get you a prayer partner. Now, I've already found one, and I sent him a prayer this morning. It was a text. And I'm going to ask you to find someone other than your husband or wife. Take the next seven days and just send them a prayer. Read your Bible and then ask them if they'll pray with you about something. And I promise you, if you'll do that a week, you'll find that you're closer to them. You'll find that your spiritual life is deeper, and you just may well continue it. Praise the Lord. Hey, last week we started a series called uh, In Search of Significance. In Search of Significance. Everybody wants their life to have lasting meaning. We all know that there's something more than our jobs, something more than our hobbies, our trophies, 
We all know that there's something more than just making money and having a good time in life. And this significance that we're talking about, this lasting meaning is found in serving the Lord. That is things that I do for Christ, using my time, my talent, my treasures to make some difference in the world for Christ. If all we give ourselves towards are, are trophies, for example, and my poor cowboys, they're not going to get the Super Bowl trophy. How many are sad with me? I thought it was going to be a good one this year, maybe next year. But how many know if you're an athlete, you, you, you get a trophy, you set a record, somebody's going to break it. How many know however much money you accumulate in life, you're going to spend it or someone else will spend it. It'll all be gone. As good as you are at work, as important as you are, one day somebody will replace you. You see, all these things in life are temporary, and we all long for permanence, lasting significance. It's found in serving the Lord. And this is what I'm talking about all month in this series. Last week we began with the parable of the talents. You remember where we learned that God gives us time and treasure and talent to invest in his kingdom and make a difference. Well, uh, I, I want to begin, kind of kick this message off with a, a short video of a hero of mine, a mentor, someone that I look up to that's made a marked difference in the world for Christ. His name is Larry Myers, and uh, listen to what you have to say. He was pastoring in Denison, Texas. The Holy Spirit told him to go to the nation of Mexico, and now God has done a tremendous thing with his life. I want you to listen to his testimony. I'm doing a sermon series on significance, that is, using our lives that are going to have some great effect for the kingdom of God. And I've got with me today my dear friend, uh, my mentor, spiritual father, Larry Myers. And Larry is an inspiring example of someone that has done something significant with their life. In his early 40s, he was pastoring a church, felt the call to the mission field. His organization wouldn't send him, so he had a dilemma, I've got to obey God. He went out, he didn't have any supporters or sponsors. He started out in a very struggling fashion. Car breaks down in the desert, he's pushing two tires to find a gas station, sleeping in his car. Well now, 40 years later, God has used him as a vehicle to literally build hundreds upon hundreds of churches, several hospitals, Bible schools, orphanages, and build a network of people, of pastors, that will go way beyond his lifetime. His life became significant, and I want you to perhaps glean something from him. Brother Larry, anything you want to say about doing something great for God, significance with your life? The scripture says that the people perish for lack of vision. And the scripture always teaches that if you can dream it, you can have it. So I want to encourage everybody, dream big and look the vision that God gives you. Just hold on to it and it will come to pass. What would you say to someone that's you know, wants to do something great for God, but doesn't know what to do. If God calls you, just listen to him. It's got to be from God. And so sometimes people have a desire to do something, just do something and don't know what to do. I would advise you just seek God until he tells you. When he calls you, he's responsible for you. If you go on your own, you're on your own. So I would make sure that I was called of God. And I was, if I'm called and sent by God, then he's responsible. Well, how about in the early days when you were struggling and it wasn't easy and there wasn't much money, what would you tell someone today that's just getting started or they're out there and it's hard and it's difficult? What would you tell them? Be willing to suffer. Going back and looking at all the disciples, there were great times, there were hard times, 
If you want it to be blessed every day and never have a problem, stay at home. But if you're willing to suffer, whatever comes your way, if it's a call, you're willing to suffer. And that's very important. Don't sell all your furniture. Don't do all of that. I've, had, I've known people who, who heard a missionary message, went home, sold everything and left, and two months later they were right back, had no home, no furniture, no vehicles. Make sure God calls you, be willing to have hard times and go through them. God will go through you, through them with you, but you've got to be willing to do whatever comes your way. One last question, you're 82. 82. Why do you keep going at the pace you are? Why are you going to Mexico so much? Why, why don't you just take it easy? Well, I'm gonna slow down. I'm gonna announce this for the first time. I'm gonna slow down in my mid 90s. Hey, I'm called of God. There is no retirement. I have four months already planned for the coming year. Two churches to build, three churches to build, one very large, a parsonage. It's a joy to be able to serve my Lord. It's an absolute joy. Thank you so much. If he can do it, we can. Amen, God absolutely, yes. Thank you. Give him a big hand. Now, I want to show you some pictures of some more heroes that I have. You look at Larry and you think, well, he's a pastor, Bible college, you know, he, uh, he can go and change a nation. Uh, let me show you a couple pictures here of some people in our church uh, today. Terry Anderson, you probably see Terry around. He leads Celebrate Recovery on Friday night. 60, 70 people that are working through addictions in life. Uh, Terry was in the world like many of us, came out of the world serving Jesus. He's my hero. He's finding significance. Look at this next couple. Uh, Artie and uh, Karen Rayfield. Artie certainly married up. Artie, you here? <laughs> he is here. Stand up in the back there, Artie, you and Karen. We're very proud of you guys. They got a burden. How many know the Bible uh, teaches us about our care for the poor? And we all feel it, but we rarely do anything. Well, they started going down and helping feed the homeless on, on uh, Saturdays, I believe it was. Saw that these poor folks didn't have a way to wash their clothes. Started washing their clothes. Before you knew it, got a real burden for women that were, uh, uh, had kids, homeless, near homeless. And so they need a place to stay. So the church bought a home. It's called Grace House. And we have uh, four women and their kids in there. They stay for a year, a program. And then they're sent back out into the, kind of the world on their own two feet. Uh, they're my hero. And they have jobs. Uh, Karen is a vampire. She is. She's a, she draws blood for a living there. So if you want to get stuck, she'd be a good one to do it. But these people have jobs. There's another one. I don't have a picture of Victor, but uh, Victor, Victor's so shy he wouldn't even send us a picture. But, but Victor has been leading a group to feed at the homeless shelter in town for probably 15 years. For no acclaim, no acknowledgement, simply because he loves the Lord. Now, these are all heroes but they didn't leave their jobs, they didn't move to a foreign country, they're right here in Texarkana. Now, I want to talk about significance today, but I want to talk about it in terms of being willing to take a risk. When God calls you to do something, to take a risk, and in that risk, you'll meet God, and God can use your life in a great way. We're going to focus on Simon Peter, and uh, he's the one we'll talk about today. So let's begin. I've entitled the more, a message, Risk Takers, and I want to look at Simon Peter a man that we meet as a fisherman, 
and three years later has the privilege to be the voice of Pentecost. And he's the leader of the church in Jerusalem for the first 12 chapters in the book of Acts. So Acts chapter, um, Matthew chapter 4, about risk-takers, answer God's call. Now, if you remember Brother Larry, remember when he talked about if you want to do something great for God, he said you need to be called of God. You need to have God's vision. Let's understand that because it's foundational. Matthew 4.18, uh, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus sees two brothers, Simon Peter, our hero today, and Andrew, his brother, and they're casting a net into the sea for their fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. This was their calling. And they did something very shocking and amazing. Verse 20, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Imagine what Miss Peter had to say when Peter went home. And she said, Peter, how is fishing today? Well, honey, I didn't catch any fish today. You didn't catch any fish. Why not? Dillard's is having a sale, and you know, honey, I was expecting a big trove of fish. No, just kidding. He said, well, honey, I quit the fishing business. She said, are you going to be a manager at the fishing store? Well, no. What are you going to do? I'm going to follow Jesus. Okay. Uh, how are we going to live, Peter? I'm not sure. But the call of the master was so profound, I knew God was involved in this thing, so I said yes. I was willing to take a risk because it promised great gain. He took a chance, and three, three years later, he's the focal person of Christianity after the resurrection of Christ. I suggest to you Peter didn't quit fishing because he was bored or wasn't any good at it. He changed the course of his life because God called him to do something. His call was to follow me. And this word calling is very pertinent to our message today. Calling by definition simply means a specific uh, invitation from God to serve him. A specific invitation from God to serve him. I'm here today because 29 years ago God called me to come to Texarkana. I didn't put my name on a, 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 on a resume search on the internet. Uh, I, 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 didn't, I, I was not climbing a, a political ladder in church circles but I was in Palestine, Texas, pastoring, and the founding pastor here said, "The church, this church needs a pastor. I, I prayed, I want you to consider it. So I said, okay, I, I'll come. But I loved the church where I was at. I wasn't wanting to leave it. I wasn't just looking for bigger is better. But I went to pray. I was in Palestine. There was a railroad yard there. had a big gravel area, and I got up at daylight for several days and just began to pray. And as I was driving here, before I set one foot in the church, I was coming from Tyler, Texas, down Highway 155, and I crossed a bridge, and I looked to the left, and it's in, in my mind now. I see it. There were these cypress trees, and, I, and, and there was water that was there, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, I want you to pastor that church. I hadn't seen a financial statement. I didn't have a pay package. I just heard God told me to go, and I called my wife and said, Honey, I believe the Lord wants us to come here, and she said, Uh, uh, well, okay. Uh, I'll pray about it, honey. But it gripped me. And then I talked to her about it, and then she came, and then it gripped her. This is how we live our lives. This is what got, got Larry from pastoring a comfortable church in Denison, Texas, to give his life to change a nation. God called him, and he said yes. Now I want to ask you a question today. How many in the room can say, Pastor, I know what God's call is for this season of my life. 
and to the best of my ability, I'm doing it right now. Would you lift your hand right now? So I, come on, all over the building now. I know what God's call is, and the best of my ability, I'm doing it. All right. Now, let me ask this question. How many are here today and say, Pastor, I'm not sure what God's calling is, but I would really like to know and be sure so I can do it. Would you lift your hand? Yeah, many more hands go up. This is your message today. Uh, at the end of our service, I'm going to pray for you, but I want to suggest to you the starting place, the big place for your significance is is hearing from the Lord what to do and doing it. Now, let's move on to the second thing. Acts chapter 4, risk takers have courage to act. The context here, Peter and John have just been involved in a miraculous healing. Uh, it's after the resurrection, after the day of Pentecost. They're in the temple worshiping, and God used them to literally physically heal a crippled man. The only problem is some people didn't like it. The Jewish priests and the captain of the temple came on them, Peter and John, and they were greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now, it's pretty easy to read through the pages of the Bible, but I want you to think back if we could go to this day when Peter and John came to church and the same people who crucified Jesus two months earlier were there. The same people that... They watched cause Jesus to be beaten with a cat of nine tails. The horror and pain he suffered. These same people can do the same to them. And here they are in the temple. We're talking about courage now. We're talking about responding to the call. Look at verse 3. They arrested them. And don't you know Peter's in jail that night wondering what the next day is going to hold. Wondering what's going to happen. We... If you, for example, if you go to see your primary care physician and, and uh, he or she t takes, feels something and they're uncomfortable with it and they say, let me do a test. And you go in that CAT scan or you have the MRI or whatever it is and then they say, we're going to do some more tests. How many know your life is kind of on, you don't know what's going to happen. There's a degree of fear that's there. Well, they're in jail. But look what happens. The next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gather together in Jerusalem and asked, what are we going to do to these men? This miracle had been done. And verse 18 says, they called them and they charged or commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And of course, the fear was the people that crucified Jesus could not only put him in jail, but take their life. Peter had every reason to fear for his life and back away from his calling. And I want to tell you, fear has the power to make us say no to God's will. Fear has the power to stop you. You can be in church today and you can say, man, I want to serve the Lord. I want to know what my calling is. I want to go out and do it. But fear when your life is on the line. Now, I've learned something about this in the last four years that I didn't know. All my life, I've had a healthy fear of things. My, we went on a staff retreat this week, and, and uh, we were at, at, a, at a friend of mine has this you know, kind of lodgy kind of place, and uh, they had, they had uh, a taxidermist had uh, made a rattlesnake, <laughs> uh, stuffed a rattlesnake. And this rattlesnake's about that big, and uh, his mouth, you know, is just sitting there, and I'm thinking, man, I don't know if I'd want a turkey hunt around here because there's big rattlesnakes around here. Well, you get up in the morning, you're walking through the woods, and, and, and it's dark when you're turkey hunting at first, and you're chasing a gobbler, and you're just wondering, am I going to step on a snake? Now, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a good reason to wear snake boots, but that's a healthy fear. But I'll tell you something happened to me that's a different kind of fear. 
four years ago after my wife was, got good news after her breast cancer. And praise the Lord, she's five years cancer-free. I, I had a little meltdown. And in my meltdown, I, I passed out three times in three different places, twice in a restaurant and once driving my truck. I mean, it's not good to pass out driving. I was afraid to go to, back to a restaurant. I was afraid to drive my truck. I wouldn't get on the interstate for probably two or three weeks. I'd take a back road just in case. And the doctor said my, the dumb part of my mind was just trying to protect me from what could happen. But it tries to generalize itself to crowds of people. I, I was afraid. It was a fear. There's a fear sometimes of engaging in the pulpit. And I'm just being honest with you today. I know you thought I was crazy, and this, this confirms it, right? But we all have things we fear in life, and fear can make you stop. And if I listened to my fear, I wouldn't get out of my house. What you think about it, but it's real to me. Peter and John, verse 19, listen to what they said. Peter and John replied to these Jewish leaders, which is right in God's eyes? Which is right? Can you say that with me? Which is right? What's the right thing to do in the middle of the fear? Do we listen to you or do we listen to God? Well, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard, and then they threaten them and let them go. Now, again, we're talking about risk-takers have courage to act. Peter had courage. In the faith of death in prison, he stood for God. And the definition of courage is a simple one. It is inner strength to take a risk. It is this inner strength to persevere, to withstand danger to stand against your fear or difficulty. And if you don't hear anything else today, hear this. Courage is not a feeling, it's a choice. Courage is not a feeling, it's a choice that causes us to act with, with boldness and bravery. Courage does not mean you're not afraid, but you're doing courageous acts in spite of the risk. And Peter had it and so can we. Uh, you, you remember old John Wayne here? I got a little sh shot of John Wayne. You remember the Duke? This was a World War II movie. He's, a, he's the commander of a battleship. It was called In Harm's Way. And uh, they're fighting a superior Japanese force, and he's got just a few ships, and the Duke is up early in the morning, and one of his officers said, Are you afraid? And John, the Duke said, All battles are fought by scared men who'd rather be someplace else. I think the Duke maybe read the Bible a little bit. What do you think? Because this is what we're talking about. You remember when Joshua succeeded Moses? They're going into the promised land. And he's leading a million and a half and two million people. And these people are not fun to lead if you've read your Bible. And four times God told Joshua, don't be afraid. Four times, I'm sorry, he told him to be strong and have good courage. And then when Joshua began leading his own men several chapters later, Joshua told them before they went in the, into battle... Don't be afraid or dismayed. Be strong and courageous. So courageous, friend, is not a feeling. You don't feel courage and then do God's will. You don't feel courage and then do the risk. You find God's will. You find God's calling and then you do it. And somebody says, that's courage. And that's what risk takers have, friend. They have the courage to act because God asked them to do it. Come on, somebody give the Lord a good hand. Now, let me give you what I think is one of the biggest points of the message that virtually all of us can relate to, and it's this. 
Risk takers don't let past failures stop them. I can guarantee you that everyone in this room, if you're a Christian, there's a sin you've committed in your life. There's a mistake that you've made that you feel is almost unpardonable. It is hard for you to receive forgiveness from God because it's so bad. Let's read from Simon Peter in Luke 22. The Message Bible says it this way. Simon, stay on your toes. Satan has tried his best to separate all of you from me, just like chaff from wheat. When the ancient farmers would grow wheat, they would cut the stalk and they would bring it to a, this, this hard, flat ground area and they would walk on it. They would do their best to separate the wheat kernels from the rest. They would throw it up in the air and the wind would blow it away. And Jesus said, Satan's trying to do that. And he's trying to find ways to get in your life to, to, to break us apart. And Peter, and now I don't know how you Peter, uh, picture Peter. I picture him as kind of a, a linebacker for the Cowboys. I mean, he's big, he's burly, he's got calluses on his hand. You know, he doesn't shave. I mean, he's just a tough guy. And Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you, and I'll even die with you. I mean, it's easy to say what you would do until you get into the situation. Well, verse 34, Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. And it's late at night now. It's the day before crucifixion. He said, before the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny three times you even knew me. Well, verse 54, they arrest Jesus and they lead him to the high priest's home. Peter's following at a distance. And listen at the irony of this. This big, tough man. Uh, kind of like, what's his name? Dwayne uh, the Rock? I mean, he's just tough. He came out with a, with a, with a, a, a tweet or a post or an article this week uh, for the snowflakes. And I'm sure he's hate, but he's just this tough guy. I watched one of his movies one time, and he, he whips half a dozen of big professional football players, you know, just to get a ring and just as a bill collector. I mean, he's just a tough guy. Well, this is Peter, and Peter's following behind, and there's this little girl. Imagine she's 13. Stand up, honey, right on the end there. Yeah, the pretty, pretty jacket. Stand up. I want to embarrass you today. My, your parents told me to do this. I, 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 I'm just teasing. How, how old are you? Twelve. Perfect. And here's what she said. This was one of Jesus' followers. And Peter said, not me. Verse 58, after a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. <laughs> not me. Later, someone else insisted, no, you're one of them. And Peter said, man, I don't even know what you're talking about. And while he's still speaking, the rooster crowed. And at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you'll deny three times you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. I don't know of any greater picture of failure in the Bible. He felt disqualified to ever do anything for God. He was the one that said afterwards, let's just go fishing. And I want to suggest to you Satan's got many tools to keep us from fulfilling God's call. And failure is near the top of the list. If you're here today and if you've gone through the pain of a divorce, you feel a stigma. If you've committed adultery, if you're a felon, if you've gone bankrupt, if you've had an abortion, 
I guarantee you, and that little movie came on about sanctity of life, something inside, this black cloud, this blanket fell on you, whether you're a man or whether you're a woman. I understand it firsthand. Can I tell you, Satan has a way to take in our worst failure and stop us. But I want to tell you this. Jesus didn't give up on Peter, and he won't give up on us. Say, how do you know that, preacher? I'm glad you asked. Mark chapter 16. Now, this is after the resurrection. It's the first morning, and a group of women go to the tomb where Jesus is. An angel said to the women, Don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen, and he's not here. But go and tell his disciples... See, when I do this, I want you to tell me what's next. And Peter. Hundreds of disciples... Go tell them, but and Peter, that Jesus is going before you in the Galilee. So here's my question. Why did the angel single out Peter? I want to suggest to you that it's quite possible that it's because God wanted Peter to know that he had not given up on him. That he had not given up in him and thrown him away. My, my friend, uh, Pastor Sonny Knatzer says, Peter's mistake could not become Peter's identity. Jesus wanted to make sure that he was not defined by the mistake. But he was defined by the renewed presence of God on his life. Shame made him quit, but he humbled himself, and he got back on the horse. That's what my granddaddy used to tell me. That horse throws you off, you get back on that horse. And that's exactly what Simon Peter did, because just a few days later, he's the great preacher on the day of Pentecost. How many know, listen, if, if Peter's sin didn't disqualify him, yours and mine, our failures, won't disqualify us. Praise the Lord. Re listen, receive that today. Receive that today. Let me wrap up. My last two points are related from one story, Matthew chapter 19. And the first half of the story has to do about sacrifice. Risk takers are willing to sacrifice to do God's will if necessary. I don't know if you remember Brother Larry in the testimony when he talked about that. Uh, they laughed about it in the first service when he said, if you're going to do God's will, it's going to be hard. You didn't laugh. Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. Now, I want you to, we're going to read a passage that's a contrast of two people. It's a young man that comes to Jesus and said, what do I have to do to have eternal life? Let's read his story. He came to Jesus and said, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? I mean, oh, there's no greater question than eternal life. Jesus said, and first of all, he talked about some of the Ten Commandments. The young man said, I've done them all. And then Jesus looked into his heart and said, If you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give the money to the poor. Now, I doubt this is something he would say to everyone, but in this man's case, money had become his idol. Give the money to the poor and then come and follow me. Take the risk. Sacrifice. And the young man heard that. He left away sorrowfully because he was rich. And what it boiled down to is he wasn't willing to do what the Lord asked him to do. He wasn't willing to follow the Lord. But Peter, notice the contrast now. Peter said to Jesus, look, we've left everything and followed you. We'll come back to that. Let's talk about this. One man was willing to take a risk for God, Peter. One didn't. One man said, I'd rather have the comfort of my life. And he held on to it for a few years, but in the end he had to give it all away anyway. I think of my friend Larry Myers. He was willing to sacrifice his salary his prestige in the denomination, no guarantees for retirement, no, no, no big businessman supporting him, 
no health insurance, but somehow God continued to provide for him. He drives a nice vehicle. He lives in a nice home. Somehow in 40 years, walking away from the security of life because God called him and he took the risk and said yes. How many know that God's big enough to take care of us? And if God, listen, so in those 40 years, he's still eight, he still has insurance, he has a back problem, and somehow he found his way to the, uh, oh, the Mayo Clinic. I mean, God just makes a way in life. But here's the question. Was it worth it for the one guy who stayed there, who wouldn't follow and sacrifice and risk for Jesus? Or was it more worth it for Larry? who went down there, and at first it was hard, and his story was when he was, he didn't know where to go. So he felt God call him to the region of Acapulco, not, not to reach the tourists. He went north of Acapulco to a town called Atayac. He said, I wasn't in a Holiday Inn hotel. The only room I, I, I could afford to stay in was a room overlooking the city dump. Now, how many know that was not a pleasant place? He said, the hurricane came. And it hit the coast. He said, I didn't know what to do. Couldn't speak Spanish. He said, so I bought. All I knew to do was to help the people. So I took my money and I began to buy bags of tacos. And he said, I would just go around to where people had been devastated, lost their homes or whatever, and I'd give them a bite of food. He said, it got, word got around that there was a white man from America that loved the Mexican people. And it wasn't the government on either side, but a man loves us. And that love turned into planting a church in Atoyoc. And that church turned into building a hospital and there were decades where they would fly surgeons from America and they would do complex surgeries they would fix the cleft palates and other things and these people didn't have to pay anything why all because God called him he took a risk and said yes and he was willing to pay the price now let me tell you this is where it gets good and I'm going to close here because let's go back to the story now of that rich man when he walks away that young man, and Peter said to Jesus, look, we've left everything and followed you. It's a pretty good question. What will we have? And Jesus said this. First he talks to Peter, and then he'll talk to us. He said, I tell you the, tru uh, 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 I tell you the truth, when the age to come has arrived. In other words, one day, life will be different. One day it won't be the rhythm of going to work and going to school and Christmas is over and putting up the decorations and getting the leaves out of the yard and waiting for spring to come. One day all things will change. He's talking about heaven. And he speaks of a day of judgment and says, The Son of Man will sit on his great throne and speaking to Peter, All of you who have followed me will sit on twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. How many know better to be on the throne than on the ground? But then he speaks to us. Look at verse 29. What's it say? It says, and all those. All those, punch your neighbor and say, you're in all those. All those who have left houses, brothers, sisters, father, mother, children, farms. Anyone who has made any kind of sacrifice to follow me will get much more. One translation says, in this life, much more than they left, and they will have life forever. I want to tell you, it is not always easy making the sacrifice for God. Linnell and I were talking this morning. She said, uh, yeah, you know, my trip is coming up in February pretty quick. I said, tell me again where you're going. Uh, to Africa and India. And I, my, I said, well, how long are you going to be gone? And she said, three weeks. And I said, oh. 
And she said, y you knew that. And I said, yeah, but it's not fun. But I married a missionary. I marry someone that's anointed to go in places where other people won't go and bring the prophetic touch of God and activate women in their life and ministry. So we both make a sacrifice because, let me know, it's just better when mom is at home. But Jesus said, if you do this, I'll take care of you in this life. And in the world to come, I'll reward you for all eternity. Amen. So listen, friends, the question you have to ask today as we close Am I satisfied to live for the day, or am I living with eternity in mind? If God calls you to make a sacrifice, if God calls you to take a risk, don't just look at the moment, but look down the road at eternity. Because I promise you, friends, it'll be worth the risk. And if you don't believe me, ask Peter one day and ask Brother Larry, and they'll tell you it's been worth it all. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet and we're going to close with prayer. Now get your mind off Cracker Barrel. Get your mind off Mexican just a minute. I, listen, you know you, do, you have to like Mexican food to be a member of Church on the Rock. I don't know if you knew that. I'm just teasing. Have you ever gone to, to lunch and uh, you're sitting in a restaurant and they said, well, what'd you think about the sermon today? And you had to go, well, I can't remember what he talked about. <laughs> now, I'm sure that was your old church. I'm sure that's not this one. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm jesting a little bit. What you've been feeling the last 40 minutes, you won't feel in an hour. What you've, what's been occupying your mind will shift when you leave this building. But I want to ask you what you're doing with your life that will bring eternal significance. I want to ask you if you look back over your shoulder in 2018, did you use much of your time, talent, and treasure to do the will of God and build His kingdom and store up righteousness for the days ahead? Or did you live for yourself? You can't fix 2018, but you can fix this year. Now, I want to have a word of prayer with you. I'm going to encourage you, friends. This whole month, we're going to talk about significance. I'm trying as we start early in this year. Read your Bible. Get you a prayer partner. Get God's vision for your life. And do something that matters for all eternity. But I want to go have a special prayer right now that we alluded to earlier. Earlier in the message, I asked, I asked you, do you know what God's calling is for your life? For this season, for where you are now, what God wants you doing. And would you like to know that call? And many people raise their hands. If that's still resonating in your heart, I'd, I'd like for us to come to the altar and have a serious moment with God. I'd like to pray for you if you're searching for God's call for your life. And I'm going to encourage you to just slip out of your chair right now. And we've got room for a lot of people in this altar. We're going to get close. But if you're here today and say, Pastor, I want to know what God's call is. Yeah, come on up. We're going to pray for it. You, you come. No embarrassment here in any way. I'm searching for God's call. I'm searching for God's will for my life. In this season of my life, I want to know what it is, and I want to have the courage to do it. Come on, just keep coming. I, I want to be the risk taker. Come get close. We're going to have room for lots of people coming. This doesn't mean you're a good or bad person. It just simply means you're saying, I'm pausing right now as I start a new year. I want to live my life in pursuit of the will of God. 
I want to do the will of God. I want to know clearly what it is. I'm not asking about what my neighbor's call is. Let's make a little more room. Others are coming down that center aisle. I, I want to, let's fill in in the center here as people are coming. I want God to show me what his will is for my life. Now listen, here's what I'm going to believe with you. For some people, it could be something miraculous to happen while we're right here. The most likely case, though, is this afternoon, tomorrow, a week from now, a month from now, as you keep asking God this question, God's going to clarify it for you. It took me a few days to know that I was supposed to come to Texarkana. But when I finally knew it, because I was seeking God, my wife and I, we have one of those little fireplace inserts, and we love it in our house. But when, when, when the fire just about goes out, you have to keep adding pieces of wood. And let's imagine if, you're at, if you don't have any more matches and you can't light it, you're going to be very careful. You're going to add small pieces. You might even add some pine needles and some oak leaves. And before you know it, you're going to add some twigs. And you're going to keep putting logs on that fire until it's burning again. This is what you've got to do with what you're asking God to do right now. This is not a microwave moment prayer. This is not making popcorn. This is you making a place in your prayer time and in your heart asking God, God, what do you want me to do with my life? This foreseeable season of my life, what are you calling me to do? Let's just come in His presence right now as they sing. Just bow your head all over the congregation. And we're going to slip up our hands to heaven around this altar now. Just as a way of reaching out to God. Saying, Lord, we present ourselves to you. Saying, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in my life. I know there's a calling. And I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to be stingy. I don't want to be unwilling to sacrifice. I don't want to let fear control me. You're a good God. And it's a privilege to be called. It's a privilege to be used by my Father in heaven. Pass by me, Lord, and speak to me. Come on, you just pray that right now. Say, Lord, speak to me. Give me hearing ears to hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. And now I want you to pray this. Give me a willing heart. Come on, just put your hands over your heart right now. It's an act of symbolism. But Lord, give me a willing heart. All over the church, do this with us today. Lord, give me a willing heart. Let there be something on the inside of my life that says yes to God. I don't want to be someone that says no to God. I, I want to say yes to God every day of my life, every moment of my life. I want to be someone that it's no doubt I'm a Christian and I'm living for God. So I ask you today to help me, Lord, where fear tries to stop me. I want to pray, God, that you would help me have courage. I want to ask you to strengthen me, Lord, when I'm afraid. Come, Holy Spirit, today. Just come, Lord, and fill us right now. All over the building, let's pray. Fill us, Holy Spirit. This is not just about human engine, human, uh, human expertise or human knowledge or human ability. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit coming in our life and filling us and empowering us. Peter didn't do what he did in his own strength. He did it under the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're asking now, God, for a fresh baptism of your Spirit to be able to go forth with great power. We pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me tell you how we're going to close right now. You that in the altar, just stay here with me just a second.
We're going to, in just a moment, our prayer team is going to make their way through the crowd here in the transition. And if you need prayer for anything before we go, someone will be here for you. There's always people that need a little more prayer than we can do in the middle of the service. You need somebody to talk to. Maybe this, this message, that opening the Bible, is kind of God has dealt with you about some things. We'll be happy to pray with anyone that's here. But here's the most important prayer we'd like to pray for now. What these people are doing today is tremendous. These are Christians asking God to, to, to show them the way to live, what He wants them to do. But you're not a Christian automatically. You're not a Christian because you come to church. You're not a Christian because your mom and daddy are Christians. You're Christians because you receive Christ as your Savior. You're Christians because you have a defining point in life when you realize your need for a Savior. For many, I would say many of you here today, you've been living your life for yourself. You believe in God, but it's never impacted your life. You're not a follower of Christ. I was like that. I was raised in church. I knew the church stories, but I'd never surrendered my life to Christ. Maybe you're here today and you realize deep in your heart that what you've been living for is not enough. It's like there's a bucket in your heart and you filled it with education, you filled it with drugs, you filled it with, with relationships, you've filled it with money, with success, hobbies, but it just drains out. There's no deep settled sense of peace and confidence. And what's really missing is a confidence about eternity. Friend, I tell you how you can fix that bucket. That's a God-shaped hole in that bucket. And if you will commit your life to Jesus Christ, what I did on August 15, 1976, I prayed a prayer that had two big parts to it. One, I asked God to forgive me. All of us know the weight and the shame of sin. Jesus doesn't leave us with our sin. He, he forgives it and takes it away. You go to God in prayer and ask God to forgive you. But here's the second big part, is you commit your life to follow Jesus. You literally receive Him as your Savior and follow Him as your Lord. And if you want to make that step today, if you are ready to begin living for Jesus Christ, you might have done it in the past and got away, but today you want to renew your commitment to Christ. You need Jesus in your life. I'm going to encourage you when we start singing this last song, there'll be some movement up here. But you move around through the crowd and end up at the cross and let somebody pray with you as you make the greatest step of your life. I promise you, you, we won't embarrass you. And you say, well, why do I have to come up there? You're going to have to live for Jesus if you're going to be a Christian. And if you can't navigate through the crowd of the church, that if they knew it, they would clap their hands, you'll never do it out in the world. Being a Christian is walking away, repenting from the past, and putting your trust in Christ. So go ahead and begin to sing, Pastor Zach, this last song, and then we'll dismiss. If you need prayer, you come. Make your way up here. Our prayer team's coming. If you need to get right with Jesus, make your way through the crowd. We'll see you at the cross. I love you and thank you for coming.